in my relationships, even in the marriage that I'm in right now, we've been in some ups and some downs, really. Like our, one of the biggest fights we've ever had was January 1st, 2019 in, in Jamaica, to which the next day she had a miscarriage from the child that was inside of her. Like, bro, that's deep. Like you want to talk about holding guilt. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. What is this thing called love really all about? And how do you know when you're being genuinely loving versus just being an arrogant, self-righteous ass? And why does the difference even matter? Also, do men, can men actually have needs in a relationship? And if so, why do we so often fail to own them? Well, in this episode, my guest Preston smiles and I extract wisdom and insight from these questions and more. In the last few years, Preston's global presence has exploded as both he and his wife, Alexi Panos, have become social media darling superstars thanks to the vibrant and colorful messages of love and healing they share with millions of people all over the world through their inspiring books, workshops, videos, and more. Although we've met a number of times, and actually my fiance, Sylvie Kukasian, knew Preston personally long before Sylvie and I met, this is the first time that Preston and I have been able to have a substantial conversation. And I wanted to have a substantial conversation and get real with Preston about what is love. After all, he's a self-proclaimed messenger of love. But I've personally had some awful interactions with other so-called messengers of love. And I've seen firsthand that it's way too easy to justify treating people terribly when you believe that what you're doing, you're doing out of love. Like a parent who beats their child thinking it's for the kid's own good, or a partner who criticizes you thinking they're just trying to make you a better person. Where's the distinction between love and abuse? Preston and I talk about what it looks like to live with that big view spiritual perspective of oneness and connection and everything is love, while simultaneously understanding and embracing our very real humanness, which means recognizing that we can hurt people. And we talk about some things that we can do to prevent ourselves from merely perpetuating more hurt and pain, even with the best of intentions. And actually, I really appreciate Preston's candor in today's conversation about how he struggles to be present with his partner when his brain has just flipped into fight or flight mode, or in his case, definitely fight mode, when he's just heard some perceived criticism of his character. That's a big one for me too. And if you've ever experienced that, then definitely listen to the end of this podcast because we give you some practices that you can do to get yourself out of that threat mode so that fights end faster and you get back to simply loving each other again. Definitely stay tuned for Preston's five key takeaways at the end. I especially liked the key practice he recommends for the next seven days. I'm definitely taking that one on. All right. Let's dive. Preston Smiles. What's up, man? It's such a pleasure to have you on Men This Way. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you for saying yes. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Likewise. It's a, it's a beautiful thing when we get intentional about our gifts yeah. and about our service to others. And when we collaborate yeah. and play with that interdependent space that is Business. I like that. That that interdependent. We collaborate. You know, someone told me that I should do a podcast. A good friend of mine years ago said you should do a podcast. I was like, Nah, I ain't feeling it, man. I don't want to just do another podcast. That, you know, mm -hmm. another live your best life podcast. Nah, not interested. But when this idea came through, 
to, to bring men together, to bring the wisdom out of men and into for the, in the service of men specifically, oh man, you know, my heart came on fire. It was <laughs> such a yes. And so to be able to have conversations, to invite someone like you, who is a specifically self-proclaimed messenger of love. Indeed. And we're going to talk about, I mean, we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Like, what does that mean? Because I think love is something that, like, I'm a former U.S. Air Force captain. You know, I, I was in the military, the, the, sort of the, the heart of masculine darkness and, mm. and shadow. And I mean, your story, we'll probably touch on that a little bit, where you came through, man, right? You, you were, uh, I mean, growing up a black man in America right there, and, <laughs> and you were in a gang. I mean, you were on a very, very, also very difficult, dark, but and yet so common experience for a man. For sure, for sure. So I think, you know, us talking about love is probably one of the most important things we can talk about it, but we mm-hmm. got to do it in a way that really I hate this phrase, but keeps it real. <laughs> For sure. You know what I want to I want to just touch on real quick. Both of yeah. what our stories have in common, and I think a lot of men have in common, is um, when we don't have a rites of passage. Mm. If we don't, yeah. when we don't have uh, what right. we would call aligned, committed, masculine figures in our lives, then we lean on institutions like the military or institutions like gangs yeah. for that fathering for that sort of direction. And so it's so common because all of us are looking for that dad, that figure that we never got. Our dads were wussies or working all the time or emotionally checked out. And most of us don't have grandfathers or if we did, they were fucking racist and dicks or same checked out and not necessarily in their power. And so I'm grateful for all of that. And I'm grateful for who I get to be in this generation and the generations to come. Yeah. Like we're changing and breaking the cycle. We're literally creating a new paradigm for what it means to be a conscious man. And, you know, we all, there's different flavors of the masculine. You and I are not the same type of flavor. And yet we are, we're both fiercely in our King and our warrior and are willing to play and be in our joy as well. Yeah. I think you're so right that those initiatory rites of passage, you know, we need older, wiser, elder, just elder men. We're looking to them mm-hmm. for, well, what is manhood? What does it mean to be a man? And our mothers can't teach us yep. what it is to be a man. Our mothers can teach us a lot, but they can't teach us what is it to be a man. Definitely not. And so we do, we look to these, whoever's present and our fathers weren't. So the gang, the military, the drill sergeant, uh, the business executive, the guy who can teach us to make lots of money, even though he has no idea how to love a woman mm-hmm. or another man for that matter. Yeah. So, yeah. and before we dive into that, man, I am so aware that you are a new father. Yes. It's, yes, indeed. It's the right? best thing ever. Best thing ever. What is your favorite part about being a new father? Hmm. How old is um, your How old your son now? My son's eleven months. His name is Kingston Raw, and he what is a fucking great name, man. I love that you. name. Appreciate it. He is just. Uh, I just never knew. Like I, I, I heard people talk about it, but then like you don't get it till you get it. And when it's your child, when it's this person yeah. who's chosen you, and they look up at you with that beautiful, amazing, innocent smile. And it, it just lights me up every day, man. Mm-hmm. Every single day. It's mm-hmm. like this, right? So I go to Burning Man and I've done all kinds of ceremonies, plant medicine, mm-hmm. freaking molly, mushrooms, like anything, not anything, but a lot of things, you name it, right? I've been chasing highs and also just doing it from a ceremonial standpoint. Yeah, I have never been more high than every single morning that I wake up which is usually at about 4.30. Mm. And by 5 a.m., I'm downstairs in our playroom with my little boy. Mm. He's crawling all over my chest. He's super present. He, we're having tickle wars. I'm biting his face. <laughs> you know, we're like, it's just so much fun, man. And so I get this hit of, of dopamine and all of that, like instantly, every single morning, right? And it gives me instant purpose. You know, all of us have, are an on purpose with many purposes. And when Kingston was born, a new purpose arose and that is to, you know, hold space in such a way that he gets to be him, that that he gets to see what the divine masculine looks like and also have a container for him to grow into without daddy and mommy pushing all of our ideals on him. Yeah. Wow. 
That sounds perfect. That's a whole new kind of morning practice. <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. Nothing oh. better. Now, what's your least favorite part? Mm. What's uh, the most challenge or stressful part? I think that managing time mm. in, in the sense of like, so, you know, when I was single, like I would, uh, uh, there's single and then there's boyfriend and there's <laughs> husband and then there's husband with a baby, right? Uh-huh. Like it, there's levels to this. <laughs> all of you guys listening to this, all of you are yeah. probably at one of those levels, right? Yeah. So when I was single, even when I had a girlfriend, which is my wife, I thought that I didn't like, <laughs> I thought that, that I was hustling. I thought I was doing my thing, right? Yeah. When a baby comes into the space, every minute is accounted for. Mm. Like for instance, we have this hour to do this podcast. I'll do another one. Yeah. I'll have about 40 minutes to do some of my own work. And then by 2 PM, I will be back in my house mm. with my child for the rest of the day, not working. Mm. And so I have a short window, yeah. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. to get everything that needs to be done for a million-dollar business yeah. within that time. Yeah. So that's the least favorite, and it's also the most amazing because it's helped me level up on everything, my business, I my everything. It. I believe it, yeah. Like next level, you know? Yeah, when you know you don't have a lot of time to work with, you make that time work. Boom. Yeah, I, Boom. I, can, see, I can see the gift of that. I used to scroll and just like, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I know no space for that right now. No space for that. Wow. Fantastic, man. Well, congratulations. I'm excited someday to have a, have a little one or a couple little ones. You know, my, you know, my fiance, Sylvie, you, you've known her for a long time. She's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lucky man. So that's hopefully in our not too distant future. So let's have a real conversation about love mm. and not the kind of conversation that I had with my, my ex-wife when I was 26 years old and had no fucking idea <laughs> what I was talking about. I mean, we, we had this epic moment where we were in, on our so-called honeymoon, which was the, one of the worst experiences of my life. Yeah. And we were driving up this, this epic road in, uh, in Mallorca off the coast of Spain and, and the sun was setting and it was winter time and it was just gorgeous. And both of us are arguing in the car about what love is and who knows how to love. And, and oh my God, it was just two codependent human beings who had no fucking idea what they were talking about. Yeah, man. So, so you're a messenger of love. You talk about amplifying love and I'm, I'm on board, mm-hmm. but let's make this real. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, that's a kind of a loaded question in the sense of of course, there's 7.7 billion people on the planet and there's 7.7 billion interpretations of what that means. Okay. What it means for me is being present to the presence. What it means to me is saying yes and listening to what's handwritten on my soul on a moment-to-moment basis such that I become a container, a vessel, a vehicle for that which is greater than myself, what I call God, what someone else may call Buddha, Jesus, or source intelligence, whatever the case may be. So... Of course, it's a loaded thing, but if we're talking about romantic love and what that looks like, I know what it isn't, and I also know that everything is love. It's this really interesting cosmic joke where the mere fact that I am breathing and being breathed, this is God's confirmation number. So anything I do, anything I say, anything I be, I'm already operating as love, and that which we have labeled bad or the profane is actually the key and the door for the profound. So like you cannot explain to me what left is if I have no understanding of what right is. Mm-hmm. And so for me in my relationships, even in the marriage that I'm in right now, we've been in some ups and some downs really like our, one of the biggest fights we've ever had was January 1st, 2019. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. in Jamaica, to which the yeah. next day she had a miscarriage from the child that was inside of her. Mm. Like, bro, mm. that's deep. Yeah. Like you want to talk about holding guilt. Yeah. Yeah. And yet all of it is love. Yeah. All of it, divine timing, no mistakes in God. So I, I hear that and I get that spirit. I mean, that's the ultimate kind of spiritual perspective. Just, again, yeah. again, just words I'm using, spiritual perspective. That, it's that, and that's that beautiful capacity, that masculine capacity to lean back and witness all of it, take it yeah. all in and, and all, I mean, judge none of it, be willing to embrace all of it. 
But when it comes to it, and look, I'm the same, man. Look, my partner, Sylvie, she's incredible. She's a marriage and family therapist. You know, I'm, I work with couples as a relationship coach. I'm a, you know, renowned blogger and all this. And we fucking go at it sometimes. And we, we have our breakdown moments. How do you know the difference? Mm-hmm. And does it matter to you even in, in that perspective? But how do you know the difference between when you are being genuinely a presence of love yes. versus just being a human ass? Yes. Um, so I completely get that. And for me, so there's, there's the human being. And I think that the biological aspect of us gets ignored sometimes in the spiritual space. Definitely. Sure. And so when my nervous system when I'm in fight or flight, when I'm in, in, when I'm in that space, when I'm in the mode of the amygdala fired off mm-hmm. and it's saying survive at all costs, right. right? It's very difficult for me to actually be a space for anyone else other than myself mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I can say that in those moments, it's not that I'm not loving because I am loving myself. This is self-preservation. Mm. Right? And we can look at that and go, it's ego and it's defense and it's X, Y, and Z. However, it is involuntary. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that we're going to get some perfect man that somehow never has his amygdala tripped and reacts of course. or responds or retorts or defends right. is bullshit. Yeah. So any guys listening to this, if you think you're somehow going to acquiesce to this idea, we are not the same as women. So when my wife's amygdala fires off and she goes into fight or flight, she's fighting too. It's different though. I'm more dangerous. I got more testosterone. Mm. My voice is bigger. My body is bigger and, mm. and it looks more dangerous. Mm. And so of course, a lot of times we end up fighting about how we're fighting, not even about the thing anymore, mm. which then spirals off until I can bring my nervous system back down to homeostasis, to equilibrium, to a point and to a place where I can actually hear her and make a decision when I have more oxygen in my brain. I'm talking all, I'm talking biology. At this yeah, point, yeah, right? yeah. I have more oxygen in my brain such that I can actually say, hey, mama, I hear you. That's not my truth. However, I'm not making you wrong and I'm not either. What's probably more apparent here is our family lineages having a conversation. Mm. The toxic shame that I experienced as a child and you experienced as a, sh- as a child that was never allowed to be expressed is being expressed right now in this conversation. Right. And so how can we as a unit, as a team, come together and support and love each other through this? Yeah. Like when I'm in that space, yeah, it's a little more receptive. Like she can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine. And so let's, man, there's two big things that I want to, you just, you just went through that I want to just pause and really help our listeners ground in. And and one is the distinction between kind of that, again, spiritual perspective of of love. And I'm with you on this, man. Everything is love. Nothing is out of place. Everything is as it should be. I mean, the most important work I've ever done in my life is surrender to, to what is learning to embrace what is. Because when I don't, all I do is create more damage in the world, more resistance, more certainly in my own body, definitely in others as well. So that's a big distinction between that spiritual perspective of, of, of everything is love and, and the very human our, in, in the moment capacity to, to, let's just say, be mindful of, of our surroundings versus just I am drowning here and I need, I'll do anything to survive. Yes, yes, yes. That's a huge distinction. It's really important. It's like embracing both because I've worked with so-called spiritual coaches or even love coaches that were checked out on the human element yep. and were could be fucking abusive. Yeah. And that, you know, it's like everything is love. It's like the the father or the mother that, that can beat their child and say, I'm doing this because I love you. Exactly. Yeah. Don't talk. And they believe it fully. I mean, I, I saw a woman, uh, it was a black woman who she would beat her boys because she said, the world is going to beat you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to prepare you for it. That was her reasoning. Yep. And when she got clear, it was actually at a Byron Katie workshop, talk about love, you know, Byron Katie workshop. And when she got clear with that story that she'd been carrying and why, and then she beat her boys for all these years out of that story, yep. the cry that erupted from her, Preston. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't heard a cry like that in my lifetime otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's fucking unforgettable. That's courageous of her. 
because there's a lot of other people doing similar things who would never or have not yet positioned themselves to see that. You know, I did a video today about spare the rod, spare the child. I heard that so much. Mm -hmm. I also heard, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Right. I made that video and hundreds, over 150 comments, Mm -hmm. long comments Mm -hmm. from people saying all over the world, all over the world saying, I received the same. I heard the same. Yeah. And so what's being taught when our nervous system is forming is your emotions are not okay. Yeah. So you stuff them down. And so what we end up with is a bunch of dudes who jack off to porn mm-hmm. and keep the sex trafficking alive and all the other stuff because they are so unexpressed. Yeah. That little boy was so unexpressed that he now has to hide it. Mm-hmm. He does it behind the scenes because mm-hmm. he was shamed. Yeah. So that's what my work is about. That's what your work is about. Yeah. Right? Helping men come out of the fucking closet and yep. own their power. Look at how they've been conditioned, trained, and programmed to believe certain things about what the masculine is. You know, I look at my childhood. My mom, my mom used to do this. And it, it's one of the reasons why I, I've had a quite difficult time with women. I'd say even to this day, I'm still navigating this. My mom wanted to create the perfect gentleman. My dad was a cheating drug addict at times, sort of drug dealer. He would tell me, all women are bitches, your mom's a bitch, your sister's a bitch, that kind of guy, right? And also beautiful and like nuts, right? And so my mom wanted to create the perfect gentleman. And so every time we would be walking, I'd be five, six years old. And she'd say, Preston, where am I walking? I don't know. (laughs) I'm on the outside. A lady is never walks Mm. on the outside. You protect a woman, Mm. you always protect a woman. Right? Little things like that. You hear five, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What I learned was that when women are around, I'm on duty. Mm. And so my freedom to be free, I needed to be away from women. Mm. Because if I am with them, I am yeah. now on duty. My needs mm. do not matter when women are around. Mm. This type of programming is so deep. Yeah. This will mess you up for years, bro. I'm, yeah. I'm literally pulling it apart. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, every comedy joke about marriage has been, you know, a ball and chain. You know, man doesn't want it. Woman, that's all she wants. And the man doesn't want it at all. Yeah, real talk. So now how, how are we supposed to do a relationship? How are we supposed to love a woman and be in relation, really show up for love when all we've been hearing our whole lives and we've been seeing in our own parents? Yep. Something that who the hell wants that? You know, I was watching something and they were pointing out the difference or the distinction from when Homer Simpson was introduced into our paradigm mm-hmm. and how, you know, there was the Bill Cosby's and there was these, these sort of men that we, we had and then the doofus dad was introduced. Mm-hmm. And the moment that was introduced, it took a curb. Mm-hmm. And everything became about the dumb guy, the mm-hmm. dumb dad who's sticking with Al Bundy, right? I don't know if you remember yep, that. Yep. So, Everyone loves Raymond, the goofball yeah. that yes. you can't take seriously. Yep. yep. And so we were unconsciously bamboozled and programmed to believe something about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, entertainment can support in creating a reality. Yeah. In the last few years, I'll tell you, man, it's been with the help of, of medicine, mushrooms, ayahuasca. I, I have come, I've come to love being a man, mm-hmm. which is surprises me because I didn't realize that I didn't love being a man <laughs> for so long. Yes. You know, the, what the models of masculinity that I saw growing up and, and it was either, it was either you're the aggressor or you're the weakling, yeah. the impotent weakling or the terrorizing aggressor. Oh. I didn't want to be either of those. Mm-hmm. So I just, just, I don't know what the hell I was for all those years, but I just did not want to identify with, it's weird, but through this work, you know, that I think learning to, ah, just love being in the body of a man and the man experience, not on a, as a pedestal over anything else, woman or whatever anyone might identify with. But I think, you know, you're pointing at something that I think the men listening I think some of the, the best men's work we can do is, is, is just learning how to love being a man, not at the expense yes. or over any, being anything else, mm-hmm. but just that as a foundation. Absolutely. You, you know, said, the, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to point out that the, what we're seeing in government yeah. and in fortune 500 companies and things of this nature is, is that same thing being played out. You know, when I was a kid, it was either you're a faggot and a pussy 
or you were dominant. And so I chose dominant. Mm. I chose, I was going to be better than everybody and I was going to fight everybody and I was going to be more athletic. I was going to have better clothes, shoes, anything I could get to establish my dominance. That's what I did. Mm. And I look at, you know, what's happening in government and it's the same thing being played out over and over and over Absolutely. again, which is power over, not power with. That's right. Yeah. And so the distinction that power with is a game changer. Yes. You know, not at the expense of the divine feminine or the divine masculine within anybody right yeah thank you for saying that because i'm getting chills that's one of the big big i was uh watching terry real his work you know terry real works he's a a male therapist that specializes in working with men in Mm -hmm. therapy and and in relationships and and he brought that distinction power over versus power with Mm. as one of the core lies we've bought into and have been sold and um holy shit man Wow. I mean, power with versus power over. And that's what we can do a whole nother podcast just on that. Absolutely. But I would invite all of the men listening, you know, reflect on, again, I said it earlier, you pointed out earlier, surrendering. I mean, the most powerful work I've personally ever done is learning to surrender and be yes. in, in embracing of what is, mm-hmm. which is power with. Yep. It's also some of the most terrifying work I've ever done mm-hmm. <laughs> because yep. of what you just <laughs> Power over is where it's supposed to be at, Yeah, but it ain't. Nope. Preston, how do you, so when your amygdala is triggered, when you're in that triggered state and you know, just, I'm just trying, I'm in survival mode right now. Right. And, you know, for me, survival mode looks like doing everything I can to convince my partner to see things my way. Mm-hmm. Or not just my partner, but maybe the, the, the person, you know, who has a different political opinion of me, whatever. So two parts to this question. First, what does it look like for you when you're in, like, I'm just trying to survive mode? And second, how then, what do you do? What's something that you could share that you actually do to help you get out of that so that you can be more present to your partner, whoever you're with? Absolutely. So in the reptilian fight, flight, freeze, and appease, what comes up most for me would be fight. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like is a varying degrees. I was taught and grew up that if somebody hits you, I remember my mom and dad telling me this, if somebody hits you, you hit them 10 times harder. That was the programming that I received Mm. early, very early. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's been encoded in my body. I'm now pulling that out and, and, and creating a new container, a new space. However, that is definitely in there. And so for me, when, you know, Let's just take relationships, for example. Women are really good at uh, subconsciously criticizing one's character, right? mm-hmm. like who you are as a person, not just like the yeah. behavior, right? right. And yeah. for me, I'm a stickler for language. Right? Growing up being dyslexic and feeling less than and stupid and being the kid who couldn't read in class, I learned how to learn without reading. And so I'm a stickler for language. So when someone uses language that I perceive to be very aggressive, even if it's said like this or like really low, and you know, I'm not being aggressive. It's just you're, mm-hmm. you know, right. what type of person doesn't take it? <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck did you just say? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like that's a jab at someone's character, right? Yeah. And so, of course, we want to be like a Bruce Lipton's epigenetics. We want to be above the fray. And and I know you've studied this person's work and John Gottman's work. He talks about how if the Dalai Lama was sitting there and somebody was talking about it, his wife was talking about his character, it would be very difficult for him to navigate that. Right. So I'm just saying all this for all (laughs) the men who think that they should be able to never be reactive to your spouse. Right. So for me, when that comes up sometimes, not all the time I react and it usually sort of gets bigger and bigger. So I'll say something like, well, honey, that's not true for me. And it never has been. And, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, something about me as a person. Well, I didn't say that. I said this, that, and the other. Oh, okay. So now you're just going to replay it different. All right. Well, that's not what I heard. And then it just starts to, you know, and of course you want to nip that in the bud. But let's say it goes too far. Yep. What I do to bring myself back is two things. One, I move. I literally physically move. I have to change my physiology because Mm. as we know, biologically, when emotions occur in and on the body 
And so when, when the emotion of anger comes up for most people, uh, myself included, it happens in the jaw. It happens in the clenching of the hands because the hands, the fight or flight says, I'm going to fight back. Mm-hmm. So everything is clenched, right? And so yep. I need to move my physical body to a different location in the room, if not out of the room for at mm-hmm. least 20 minutes to allow mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. nervous system to come back down. If I don't have that space, like we, we were in on the airplane headed back from Jamaica, January 2nd. Hmm. And all of this came up. Some stuff came up while she was also having a miscarriage. Hmm. And we... we On the plane. And not the miscarriage on the yes. plane, but there's something was coming up on the plane. Both were. Oh, wow. Both. Okay. Yes. And so wow. there, we were in it. Yeah. And I felt myself 1,000% triggered. Hmm. We're in an airplane and hmm. she's in the window. I'm in the middle seat. And... Of course, I can't just get up and walk away and move my physiology at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I did the second thing that I always do when I want to come back to, you know, my truth, which is deep breathe as deep as possible into the bottom of my belly, because we literally go off center and we stop breathing when we are in these states. Mm-hmm. It makes us more aerodynamic. I've literally, you know, saw and watched people die and been there for their deaths. I've been there to, to walk them through it as they died. Hmm. because of that aerodynamic fast quick pace boom 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 oh, in while everybody else is frozen mm-hmm. while everybody else is running away i'm already in this in the thing i have this mm-hmm. unique uncanny my, my son was choking two three weeks ago and everybody in the kitchen was losing their shit i went into the calmest state you could possibly go into yeah and put my finger in his throat and pulled the thing out while my mom wife everybody's like trying to flip them upside down i'm like stop it (sighs) so for me it's it's on one hand it's a gift how fast everything works for me and how in that speed i can slow everything down to the speed of wisdom and really catch it and it's a curse in the sense that i once it gets revved up it can go too far yeah I, i own that yeah it's funny it's funny i had a similar experience on an airplane uh, with Sylvie, uh, I don't know, maybe it was a year, two years ago, where we were boarding. Something happened that she interpreted from an old trauma wound of hers and and immediately accused me of something that was just so out of left field for me. And I immediately was fucking furious, man. <laughs> like, no, oh, no, you did not. And we're, but we're on the airplane and where do we go with this? And it's the yeah. same, you know, we sat down, I was in the, and we actually had all three seats. I had the, but you know, we, we first sat down in the middle and, the, and, and she had the window and people are boarding the plane and I got, I'm enraged, man. And she's starting <laughs> to cry and I can't be present with her. Like you said, I'm drowning right now. My identity is at stake. <laughs> and I remember what I did was this, I put my, uh, I had a sweatshirt on and I put my sweatshirt over my whole body, over my head, like yeah. a cover, like I would like a blanket, like over me. And underneath that, I raged, yes. but in silence, obviously, I mean, I want to get kicked off the airplane. I didn't want, you know, but I raged, man. I mean, I clenched my fist. I screamed silently out of my mouth. It, I, tur- I turned out I, I was cursing my ex-girlfriend because this had not, you know, this was just a little moment, but there was so much stuff from before that was coming up because I'd been accused so often in the past of things that I wasn't, you know, so it was all coming up. And I did that for maybe 60 seconds. You know, nobody, people were walking by me in the aisle. Nobody knew I was, I mean, if they would have seen what was going on, they would have called the hospital or the police. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. They were like, this guy's dying. He's having a weird seizure or something. But oh, by moving that energy through my body, yep. you know, Sylvie was a little bit like, what the hell is going on here? I don't think she really understood, but she knew I was, but I had to go there. Mm-hmm. And after about a minute, she reached over, kind of grabbed my hand under my, under my little you know, blanket <laughs> sweatshirt Ooh. thing. <sighs> and I had moved so much energy that I was able to just then scooch over to her and be present. And, and it just changed everything. Whereas, you know, it would have been the flight from hell mm-hmm. if I hadn't gone there in a safe space and created the container for that. So sure. I think that's really powerful, man. And I like how you say, it's funny, I had to do that in an airplane, but in other times when I have lots of space, you know, if we hit a wall, sometimes I can feel my body just, I'll just shut down. Mm-hmm. Like I know where to go, my body, my state just collapses. Yeah. And so men listening, 
hear that. It's so important changing your state. And so mm-hmm. Preston, you you said you literally get up, walk into another side of the uh, other part of the room or leave the room. Do you, I mean, do you like move your body in a certain way? Do you? Absolutely. What I'll do is if there's space for it, I'll go do a primal scream. Mm-hmm. I'll get my car, roll the windows yeah. up and just lose it. Like absolutely. <laughs> fucking yeah. And then, yeah. and then I'll come back from that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Relationships are the greatest workshop ever. Every time I think I got it, every time I, th- I think I'm locked and loaded, something new sort of comes out of the woodworks. And it is the great, you know, like healing, man. Like, I, I, I'm so grateful for my wife. I'm so grateful for relationships. I'm so grateful for the feminine and how different yeah. it is than, yeah. than me and we. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it brings out what we would call the worst. Yeah. But for me, when every single time that comes up or out, yeah. it just points to where my work is. Cause I know I'm not done, you know, yeah, I'll be yeah. fun, forever unfolding like yeah. every single one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and, um, cause I think it's when I'm working with men and, and you probably get this too, particularly in the context of relationships, men tend to be so relieved to know they're not alone, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause we tend to harbor that ideal that one day we're going to solve this shit and there's going to be no more problems. I'm going to, it's just all going to work. Mm-hmm. Nope. And nope. I mean, you know, we, we learn how to make repairs. That's really what it comes down to is making quick repairs, not making the mistakes or doing the, the saying the shitty things or not being triggered to begin with, but making quick repairs when that happens. For sure. And it takes two. I mean, I know you, you and Alexi are in this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh... It makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? It does. It does. It also means that our fights and <laughs> the stuff that comes up is even trickier, you know, yeah. like it, it'd yeah, be like yeah, you yeah. and Sylvia. Totally. You and Sylvia. Yeah. So, you know, I always say That's that right. if, if somebody had a, a TV camera when we were fighting, it would be the most interesting TV you yeah. could watch. <laughs> it's like, we know so much I know. that we're using tools and like, it's I like, know. it's trippy. It's trippy. I know. It's funny. It, what, what I, what, 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 when Sylvie and I are doing it right, we devolve into laughter mm-hmm. pretty quickly because we realize how absurd and ridiculous what just happened is. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, one of the things I really want to touch on for any men out there who may be being with somebody, or maybe it's you, who is what you would call struggling with some form of depression or just in a state. Right? The one of the things I remind Alexi and myself and any clients I have is that life has many different seasons. And right now, you or your partner may be in one of those seasons where they're just not happy. Like overall, just generally not aligned, not not feeling good about themselves or life. And the thing to lean on and trust is one, this too shall pass, right? All these things pass, unless they don't, but they usually do. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get to double down on your love, on your acts of service, on your support for that person, because there'll come a time where the roles are reversed. There'll come a time where you need her to support you, to see you, to be there for you in your downtime. I have a friend who over the last two years could not figure out what his career was, his purpose. Mm -hmm. And his wife held it down the whole time Mm. and took care of the money and made sure they were good. And he freaking sat in his living room with socks and underwear on eating cereal, trying to figure out his life. And it just landed for him. Mm. And now the roles will reverse. He's going to end up being a breadwinner and all of that stuff. Mm. And, you know, he was pretty depressed. I was with him during that whole time, Mm. just holding Mm. space and saying, hey, bro, like, this is a part of it. And as a man, there's this thing within all of us that we're compelled to, to figure out our piece of the world. And so... Just like a woman who, when she has a miscarriage or can't get pregnant, has all this stuff come up about how she's broken and it's her one job and all of that stuff. Men have our own version of that, yeah. whether we're conscious of it or not. And he was yeah. in that. Yeah. And I held space for that, knowing and sharing with him that it's a season. It'll pass. It's a season. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we live in a culture that tends to only want summer. Yes, exactly. But winter is so important to go internal, to be still, to be quiet. That's where the seeds are actually, that's where they're beginning to crack open under the surface and you can't see it. But so thank you for bringing that into this conversation, man. That's so important for all of us. There are seasons. It's not always going to be summer Mm -hmm. and winter is so important. So thank you for that. 
Now, in the interest of time, because I know we're doing a little bit of a shorter interview than normal, and I look forward to the day where we're going to just sit and do a three-hour <laughs> podcast of fun and just yeah. fucking tackle it all, man. Solve all the world's problems. Yes, yes. In our own minds, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, this is, I want to finish with this question, and then actually I have uh, what I call the five key takeaways finale. Boom. Preston, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing men today and what wisdom can you offer in the face of it? Mm. I think that the biggest challenge is it's, it's the same challenge that women have. It's embodiment. It's ownership. You know, a lot of stuff comes down to worthiness conversations. Like, am I worthy of this? I know a lot of men who, including myself, who used to hang their hats on, I'm a chameleon um, I don't really have any needs. Whenever we fight, it's because she brings it up because I have no. Mm. And I used to think that that was like a badge of honor. The reality mm. is, is that I do have needs. I just haven't been willing to own them. And that's mm. the same thing for every man. Mm-hmm. I think a lot less of us would be chasing incomes and move into impact and insight. Ownership, man. Mm. Ownership all day. Embodiment. Yeah. I saw, yeah, embodiment. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's, that's big, man. I, I, I saw the movie, uh, The Upside last night with Kevin Hart and, um, Brian Cranston. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. Such a good film. And there's this one scene, though, where Kevin Hart, you know, he's, he's going to be homeless for the night. He didn't have a place to stay. And one of his friends is like, you know, you need a place to stay. And he's like, nah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, everyone knows, no, you ain't. You're yeah. not all right. Exactly. You ain't got a place to stay. It's cold. There's snow on the ground. Yeah. But yet, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, Sylvie, a lot of times in that program, you know, what do you need? You know, you can cry. It's okay. I know you're feeling sad. No, nah, what do you mean? I don't need to cry. I, I, we're driving somewhere. I, we got to get, we got somewhere to be. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so Very true. Embodiment. Okay. Yeah. Good. Again, a whole nother podcast and workshop and just journey. Mm-hmm. So, all right, man, we're going to finish with the five key takeaways finale. You and I have just had a really beautiful conversation and there's a lot of richness and depth and already practices. What we were talking about, allowing ourselves to be angry, the primal scream, where I call that anger yoga, mm-hmm. you know, whether you do it on a plane under a blanket or you go into your car or you go for a hike, but allowing, giving yourself that time. So a lot you could take from what Preston and I have already gone through in this conversation, but this final round exists to give men listening or women for that matter actionable things they can work with, like something they can just begin practicing with immediately. Yes, sir. um, And and take with them. So here we go. Number one, key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Mm. This one has really supported me. Success is sequential, not simultaneous. Understanding that, that not everything has equal amount of importance you know, like for instance, the law of buoyancy, right? This mm-hmm. is, once we can create a vessel that floats, right? These, it's an invisible law, but the moment I create the, the wood and I build it in a particular way, mm-hmm. it can float not just in the Pacific, but the Atlantic, in the Indian Ocean, in any mm-hmm. ocean at mm-hmm. that point. And so success is sequential. It's the right steps at the right time. Mm-hmm. And understanding that not everything is, holds the same amount of weight has changed the game for me. Got it. So say that again one more time. Success is sequential, not simultaneous. Simultaneous. Yes. I think that a lot of us have this idea of overnight success and all of that stuff. Mm, Okay. But that's not necessarily true, man. It's like, I'm just going to start a blog and it's going to blow up tomorrow because I'm going to write this most amazing thing. And Or like, for instance, somebody will say, yeah, I'm going to start a blog. And then instead of doing the thing that would move the needle, the thing that creates the most traction, they go and research marsupials. Like, what does that have to do with the blog about, you know, money or whatever the case may be? Like, it's success is sequential. Do the right steps. Do the thing that matters the most. And you will create. And this is relationship. This is everything. Yeah. What matters most in your relationship to your woman? Because there's what you're doing and there's what she cares about the most. Mm. And so you get a lot more points if you understand that. I know mm. my wife loves what we would call acts of service. Mm-hmm. So I could give her 10,000 massages. She doesn't care. I could give her roses. She doesn't mm-hmm. care. If I wash those dishes, I just got a lot of points. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So important to remember. Okay. Excellent, man. Got it. That's helpful. Cool. Yeah. 
Number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that mm. you would recommend our listeners to learn more about. Mm. I think there's a couple. Living right now, Michael Beckwith mm-hmm. has been one of those people for me. Mm-hmm. When I first started this thing called the Love Mob, which is Organized Acts of Love, he was one of the first people with no money involved to say, I'll show up, I'll speak, I'll do whatever mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. Then Marianne Williamson jumped in and did the next one. And like both of them really believed in me. And I, I just really appreciate he married Alexi and I mm-hmm. um, and has always just showed up for me. And even when he doesn't, just who he's being as a man behind the scenes. I absolutely love that guy. Um, and then second would be uh, Bob Marley. Oh, yeah. I think whenever I think of Bob and what the legacy that he's left behind and it just changes the game. And then yeah. third would be myself by way of my dad. My dad has shown me what not to do and what to do mm-hmm. uh, to be a conscious man. And it's been so beautiful. Mm. Excellent. Thank you. I fully intend to have Mr. Michael Beckwith, Reverend Michael Beckwith on this right. podcast. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Be beautiful. Number three, key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. Mm. Probably the one thing by Gary Keller. Uh, that's the book. Conversations with God, book one, Mm -hmm. two, and three. I've read Mm -hmm. all of them at least 10 to 15 times, Mm. probably 100 times. All the other ones, probably 10 to 15. And uh, Grant Cardone, 10X. Mm -hmm. That put me on my ass, man. You should really listen to people who aren't like you. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, that's how you level up. I go into spaces that have nothing to do with what we would call the spiritual world Mm -hmm. and know know that they are spiritual and, Mm -hmm. and seek the support out of that, the work that Alexi and I are doing in the bridge experience and extreme, it actually fills me up. It is to me, one of the best workshops in the world. And it's like, I get so much every single time I facilitate it. Yeah, man, I'm a better person because of it. Yeah. And by the way, listeners, we're going to put all this in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. They'll all be in the show notes. If you're driving, you don't have to write this down. Don't worry. Just go to Brian with a Y, Reeves.com slash Men This Way podcast. Uh, it'll be right there in the show notes. So two more things, and then we'll invite you to also share with us the links where people can find you. So just two more key takeaways, key investment. In the last year, what's the best thing that you spent money on, Preston, under $10,000? Under, because I definitely spent $90,000 on a mastermind that has changed my life. Yeah. However, under 10000 hmm, that's a good question. Uh, hiring somebody to, to be my integrator. What does that mean? So there's a book called rocket fuel for all you business freaks out there. Um, and I would suggest this for you as, as well, Brian, cause you're mm-hmm. going to get bigger and bigger. And that book basically explains that visionaries need an integrator. And if you're trying to do all the minutia and all the mm-hmm. others, like little things, it'll literally take away from yeah. And, and rob you and everybody else. So you find an integrator and they show you how to and what to look for and all that stuff. So hiring an integrator into my business has been a phenomenal investment. It just Mm. gives me so much time. Okay. So another, could it be another, like another way of languaging that is, I mean, assistant doesn't quite do integrator, but it's someone who really is assisting you with basically all the shit that you don't want to do. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Very. And the book was rocket fuel. Yep. Okay, cool. That was a huge distinction for me when I a long time ago when I learned that I had been treating my money as a life preserver. Yep. And money don't when you hold on to it, you just sink with it. Yeah. <laughs> Rather using it as rocket fuel yeah. for my dreams. That was a huge shift for me, so uh, I'm definitely going to check out that book. Beautiful. Finally, Preston key practice please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational mm-hmm. that has served you well and that you challenge our listeners to take on for the next seven days. Play. It's super simple, easy. I schedule in play into my life every single day. It's actually in my schedule. Mm-hmm. I will do so. I will skateboard. I will climb a tree. I will surf. I will sit and just listen. I will play every single day, period. That changed everything for me. I think a lot of us have disconnected from our own joy and our own play Mm -hmm. and play and joy is connected to our creativity and our passion. Yeah. And so if you're so damn serious trying to get to the mountaintop that you forget how to have fun right now in this now moment, then you've lost already. 
Oh, thank you for that. God damn, I need some more play, man, in my life. I've definitely been present to that these last few years. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, I'm taking that one on. And listeners, I challenge you to do the same play. Because like you said, I mean, what's the point? Why are we doing this? If I actually interviewed uh, Ajit Nawalka, he's uh, right. actually just came out today. If you're listening, was the CEO of Valley, Evercoach, incredible businessman. And so much of his message is about, man, stop chasing all that stuff and just yep. have fun. Yep. Yep. So that is so important. And he's incredibly successful. As Preston, you are. You have a million-dollar business. Mm-hmm. And play. There's so much more that I'd, I'd love to talk with you about. I know we don't have time today. I mean, just you, even your, your story. And I'll probably share this in the intro about how um, you were at a business conference, I think it was. And they were asking you, okay, like, how do you want to be successful? What's your product, right? And you stood up. You said what? I said, my name is Preston Smiles, and I believe that love is all there is, was, and ever will be. My message is love, and I want to teach that and spread it all over the world. And the guy paused, looked me up and down, and said, nobody will ever buy love. Mm-hmm. You need to be a peak performance speaker or a self-esteem speaker. And it literally broke me. I actually took it on and talk, called myself America's number one self-esteem coach or something <laughs> like that. And, and then I realized that I was selling out on myself yeah. in the if I was going to fall, I was going to fall forward. If I was going to fail, I was going to fail on my terms. Yeah. And so that same guy hired me a few years later to help him with social media. I'll leave to New Orleans in a couple of days and speak to 2,000 people. Uh, they'll pay me $15,000 for 35 minutes of my time. Like all the stuff he told me I couldn't do, I'm doing right now. And I didn't even have to look for it. It chases yeah. me down. Yeah. Wow. So when Preston says play, play, bro, take play. him serious. Yeah. Uh, Don't be so serious and play. Yep. So Preston, uh, where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? PrestonSmiles.com forward slash man cave. That's my lifeblood. That's my legacy. That's the stuff I love. I love that more than anything I do. So there's the work we do in bridge experience, which is, I, I mean, I am, that's next, next level. That's deep in experiential trauma based, like rip your fucking heart out of your body type of work. And then man cave is the online program. It's three months, rites of passage with men from all over the world. I love that program. I have a lot of other stuff going. To me, that's the most important thing I do. It doesn't make me the most money because it's not that much. You know, it's the cheapest thing I offer. However, it's the thing that gives me the most ROI in my heart. Mm. And so I always send people there. And if they can't get in, it's a free group called The Pack that will also sort of come up if it won't work. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome, man. Preston, thank you so much again, man. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to my guest, Preston Smiles. Find Preston Smiles at PrestonSmiles.com, of course. And don't forget to check out Preston's Man Cave at PrestonSmiles.com slash Man Cave. And again, all this will be in the show notes, including Preston's five key takeaways which you can find at brianreeves.com. That's brian with a Y, reeves.com forward slash men this way podcast. Also, if you're interested in learning more about the coaching work that I do with men, women, and couples, poke around my site a little, brianreeves.com. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com. And explore how I might serve your journey towards creating a thriving life and a thriving love. Finally, Reviews play a huge role in whether others tune into a podcast. So please, if you are served by this conversation and think other men or women would be served by this too, please go right now to the podcast app you're using and leave a generous review so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.